You may be seated. Dear Christian friends, theme of our meditation this morning is, you have seen what I did. And it's based upon the Old Testament lesson that was previously read this morning. I was 16 years old, three months away from my 17th birthday, when my brother Rick came to me and said, Bill, Dad wants to speak to you in his study right now. I knew this wasn't going to be a good meeting with my dad, because I knew why my dad was, shall we say, summoning me. And I knew how my father did things, shall we say, and what he had done. But my dad was just a wonderful dad. I couldn't have asked for a better dad than the one God gave to me and to my brother and, and sister, and a wonderful husband to my mother. I mean, Dad was always there to, to pat us on the back, to, to, to encourage us. Dad was always somebody who was excited about our accomplishments. When I got my driver's license at 16, my dad was this, just beaming that I had accomplished something. But my dad had high expectations for us as well. And my dad had some rules. And my dad wanted us to meet those expectations and obey those rules. And if we didn't, my dad could be less than happy with his children. I had an accident. That's why my dad wanted to see me that day in his study. In fact, it was my third accident that I had had. And I had wiped out a couple of cars, done some damage in the third accident, but as I wanted to tell my dad, hey, I'm okay. And nobody got hurt, Dad. How about that? But when I went into that study that day, my father looked at me and said, sit down, Bill. And then he looked at me, and I felt like he was looking at me for an hour but it was probably only for 10 seconds, but his gaze was like a laser beam going through my heart. And then my dad took car keys and flipped them up in the air and caught him. And my dad took the car keys and flipped them up in the air and caught him again. Never saying a word. He flipped them up, caught him again. In fact, he did this six or seven times. And then he said to me, Bill, did you see what I was doing? Uh, yes, Dad. Do you see what I was doing with what? The car keys, Dad. I saw the car keys. He said, Bill, if you have one more accident, you're never going to see these car keys again. <laughs> then he flipped me the car keys and said, you better be going. Now, my dad was not God, but I'm telling you what, for that five, ten minutes that I was in that study, he was as close to God as I am going to get. 
the Israelites were at the base of Sinai. And they were there, and Moses was ascending the mountain of Sinai. And as Moses ascended that mountain, God spoke to Moses as he had spoken to him before. And he told Moses, the people, they saw what I did to Egypt. Well, what did he do? Well, of course, we know what he did. We know of of the plagues that came to the land of Egypt. We know that the Egyptian pharaoh refused to let the people go, refused to allow them to walk away from their slavery. We know that he at times played with them. And finally, God brought the final plague. And he had a meal for those people to prepare. And so the Israelites prepared a meal. And that meal was an unblemished lamb. It was bitter herbs. It was unleavened bread and wine. And then they were told to take some of the blood of that unblemished lamb and put it over the doorpost. And when the angel of death came into the land of Egypt, it passed over where that blood was and destroyed the firstborn in the entire land of Egypt. And then the Egyptian pharaoh said, Get out! Get out now! And they were told that they were going to be leaving in haste. That's why they couldn't have any leaven, not for bread. They didn't have time for it to rise. And they left and they got out. And they were away from that slavery. We were away from that, that slavery that was buckling them down and hurting them and causing them all kinds of pain. And then God protected them on the way. And God, when they came up, to the Red Sea, Moses, by the power of God, the Red Sea parted. And those people did not walk across the Red Sea in a bunch of mud. They walked across it on dry ground. And when the army of the Pharaoh came, the Red Sea closed up. And they were drowned. They had seen what God did. They had seen his power. And so how did they respond to this? How did these Israelites see what God had done? Once again, we have a perfect, perfect example of a group of people who could find the dark cloud in the silver lining. They grumbled. They grumbled. They grumbled that God was bringing them out there to die. They grumbled over the water. They grumbled about the lack of food. And God brought them sweet water. And God brought them manna. And God brought them quail. And they continued to grumble. Oh, what a group of boring people they must have. Grumble, grumble, grumble. You would think that God would just say, Enough! I'll go find another group of people. You're on your own, baby. Enjoy life. 
God kept seeking them. God kept coming to them. God kept loving them. And now Moses is on that mount. And God says to him that he wants the people to fully obey his covenants. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How's that going to work? Because we're told that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. How are they going to obey that covenant? How are they going to do what God demands? How's that going to come about? Because God says, and they are going to be a nation of priests. And so he lays down something that, that, that clearly we know they're not going to be able to obey. And quite honestly, neither are we. Because we have the law that has been given to us. And we know on the one sense it, it curbs or supposed to curb the excesses of humanity, but it also acts as a mirror. And when you look into that mirror, and when I look into that mirror, or when anybody looks into the mirror of the law, we see exactly what we just confessed. We have sinned in thought, word, deed. You and I have said things we shouldn't have said. And quite honestly, we kept quiet when we should have been speaking. And we did things we shouldn't have done. And there are things that we should have done that we didn't. We are, as we can say to others, poor, miserable sinners who don't deserve anything. And then God keeps coming for you. And he keeps coming for me. Because he loves you. He loves this world. Abraham Lincoln was in March of 1862. And it had been a particularly bad week for Abraham Lincoln because the casualties of the Civil War were mounting up. He kept reading how many men were dying, how many men were maimed, and it was an overwhelming sorrow that he felt. And just three weeks before, his son Willie, who was around 12, had died. But Abraham Lincoln wanted to go to church. And his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, just didn't even want to leave the White House. She was in such a depression. She couldn't bear it. And so he asked one of his secretaries, John Hay. John Hay was like a, a son to Abraham Lincoln. And so they went to a Presbyterian church, and, and when Lincoln would go to church, he would always make sure that he sat away from people because he didn't want to be the center of attention. And so they went through the service, hymns, sermon, lessons. And at the end of the service, there was, was Lincoln getting up and pulling his coat down. And John Hay said to him, what did you think of the sermon? And Lincoln said it was uh, 
quite eloquent. He said, was it one of the greatest sermons you've heard? Lincoln said, no, it was really a failure. Eloquent, but a failure. And he said, we'll talk about it when we walk back to the White House. Well, Hay wanted to know what was wrong. He goes, the reason it was a failure, because the fact that the sermon did not call us for great things. The sermon did not challenge us to look beyond ourselves to our neighbor. The sermon just kept us right where we were at instead of that great challenge to be motivated to do great things. Sometimes even today, the church can get stuck in neutral. Doesn't know where it's going. Not going forward, not going back. And yet you see the scriptures challenge you and me not to somehow think that we are so great. That's not what Lincoln was talking about. But to realize the fact that we are challenged in those Ten Commandments. Yes, we fail, and we fail all the time. But we are also being called as a kingdom of priests. And we also know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ laid down his life for us on that cross of Calvary. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ said, it is finished. And you and I believe him. It is finished. Your sins have been paid for. You're not going to be paying for any of those. Christ has done that. It's over. It's finished. And so that you and I can seek to do great things. You and I can see the love of those commandments to honor our God, to seek out our neighbor, just as our Lord Jesus Christ said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. And your neighbor is yourself. We are called, we are challenged to look at those commandments not as just a way to remind us of our sin, but to remind us of how we can seek and do more. That's the love of God. That's the power of God. That's the power of the church. What do you think Jesus was saying? Go into the world. Make disciples. You don't think that was a challenge? That's the beautiful thing that you and I have as Christians. That is the joy that you and I have because we know what God did. We know what he did on Sinai. But you and I are not at Sinai. We're at Calvary. And we're at the base of the cross. And we look up and see the eyes and the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know what God did in redeeming this world. We know what God did when our Lord Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb alive and gave us that victory that the grave is not going to hold us. And we know what God did when those disciples came out of that upper room, walked down the steps, not locking a door, not being afraid, but going right out to the people to be challenged 
to be excited, to let people know Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. That's the beauty that you and I have as Christians. That's where we take the law of God and see the areas in which you and I can improve, where you and I can grow, where you and I can do better. Not somehow some pride fest, but to honor God, to honor our neighbor. We as a church are always challenged. We are not in neutral. We're going. We're reaching. We're seeking. That's the enjoyment that we have. That's the, the life we have as Christians each and every day. That you and I can rise up and say, I want to do better. And I want to help more. That's the blessing that you and I have this day as we look forward in the weeks ahead all of the commandments being unfolded before us, but knowing of God's love for you right this single minute, and that you and I live and rejoice in the fact that it's finished, that you and I rejoice in the fact that we get to go. We're the kingdom of priests. We're the ones who get to offer. We're the ones who get to share. I don't know about you, but I don't know how it gets much better now. Because that's who we are because of what God has done for you and for me and for this world. And oh, by the way, I never had another car accident. God bless you. Amen. Would you please rise?